Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, and 1280 The Zone. Thank you for making us part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. We're going to talk to David Locke coming up here momentarily, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David in midseason form already in two broadcasts, Gordon. Consummate <laughs> professional. Well, he'd been thinking about it for a while and was ready to go. Well, I, I, Remember we talked to him last time and he said he was he was rifling through all his uh, notes and uh, he had so much material he was trying to consume it all. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of people think guys just show up and, and just repeat what they see with their eyes, and that is a talent in and of itself. But, man, the guys I know really do a lot of homework behind the scenes. And that includes both Locke and Bowler. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, no doubt about it. So we'll get David's thoughts on everything that is uh, going on with the Utah Jazz. Their next uh, game, Gordon, is coming up tomorrow night. It's an 8 o'clock start. They're in L.A. to take on the Clippers. Uh, pre-game will begin at uh, 7 o'clock. Now, was that game at 8 uh, because uh, did did, uh, did Kawhi sign off on that? Did he say it was okay? <laughs> I guess. Uh, I mean, if he wants it to start at 8.15, would that be all right with the Jazz? Yeah. Uh, pro- I don't know. You know, it'd probably be fine with the Clippers. I know he gets – they kick out all the all the uh, female employees. Or is, it, or is it the cheerleaders? Who are they kicking out so that Kawhi could warm up by himself? Yeah, it was, a, it was like the cheerleaders or somebody who was using <laughs> the other locker room. You know, the, the, the worst thing that happened to the Clippers – uh, in this sense, you know, with with Kawhi being demanding and, and that sort of thing was he won in Toronto. Like everything he did, the, the injury to get his way out of San Antonio, Toronto <laughs> hiring everybody he's ever met and uh, just bending over backwards to please him, to convince him to stay. They actually, it, it worked. They won a title. <laughs> and so now uh, I would guess that Kawhi feels that behavior is A-OK. Okay. So in that sense, maybe it wasn't a good thing that he won. <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's get out to the zone phone. Uh, joining us now, in fact, his uh, his interview every week brought to you by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. He is uh, he is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He's also president of the Trent Forest Fan Club. He's David Locke with us on the Big Show. Hello, David. I think I might have been a Trent setter there. Oh, <laughs> oh that's funny. <laughs> funny stuff. That's, a, that's an inside joke because on the broadcast on Monday, David may have said that uh, he's the president of the Trent Forest fan club. Yes, and then I just thought I'd pay tribute to Steve Klauke with that little pun right there. <laughs> that was really good. Uh, David, I, Lo- I hope, I hope Klauke's listening. That's like the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> uh, I'm seriously like I'm I'm not I've never that might be my only pun ever in my entire life. Like it might that be a highlight. Hey, hey, one Dave, for David, one, David. David, do me a favor. Evaluate Steve Klauke. Uh, as a as a as a baseball play by play guy. I mean, he's he's kind of a treasure, isn't he? He is a treasure. He's the best. I hope they get minor league baseball straightened out and Klauke gets to do his job again. That would be good. <laughs> yeah, no for Klauke, for probably for Steve's mental health, too. But, um, no, it's a pleasure to listen to. 
I mean, he's a little up there. I mean, he's a little out there. Oh, here we and go. He's a little gone, but he's he's not bad. You were on a roll, David. But but Clucky's got uh, Weber basketball and Weber football in the spring to to tide himself over. So I'm sure he's doing. Oh, all there right. we go. Good. Uh, Good for Steve. David, uh, your impression of the and take this whatever direction you want to go. Your your impression of the first two preseason games for the Jazz. What are you taking from them? If we played Phoenix in the preseason every night for the regular season, we'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, I just am a little hesitant to make a lot out of it because lots of fools have been made in preseason before. Um, but, you know, we I, I don't think we could have looked much better, right? We had an offensive juggernaut game. We had a defensive strong game, which I do think was tired legs on both sides. And then in that game, just at the moment we kind of had our, we looked our worst and we really didn't look very good. Then all of a sudden it was like, pow. And it was a four minute surge that turned into a 21 Oh run. And there was everything in that run was what Quinn Snyder wants out of his team. They, the shots got up quick and they were threes and they were catch and shoot threes and, and so, yeah, I mean, we really have looked very good. And I would say that our, what I'm now referring to as the COVID team, though only one guy tested positive in the NBA, um, either because we, you know, I don't know why. Like, good, good to see. Um, and uh, I'm joking that every team, like, from 10 through 14 on their roster is their COVID team because guys are going to test positive and then they're out for 14 days or something, plus two heart tests. So if that's the case, then you're going to have these guys that are 10 through, they're going to have to play for a while. Like they're going to be part of your rotation. It's not going to be like a one night cute thing. And so I'm referring to that as your COVID team. And I think our COVID team looks pretty good. So um, our COVID team is Shaq Harrison, probably who we haven't seen. Mia Oni, um, Juwan Morgan, maybe Jarrell Brantley, maybe uh, Udoka Azabuke. But I mean, maybe Elijah Hughes. I mean, it's actually, that's a pretty, we're pretty good though. So, David, based on what you're seeing, are you with your trained eye? Are you getting any kind of idea about the uh, the improvement of defense that has been sought after or hoped for? Um, I'd like to see a lot more before I decide that they weren't very good defensively in the first game. They didn't contain the ball great. Um, some individuals I thought were particularly poor. I'll leave out who they were, um, but there were two or three that I just thought had no impact at all. Um, and I know kind of that that was a focus coming in so that they listened in game two and played a much better defensive game. Um, and, and therefore I would say, you know, that, that was better. Um, I'm not convinced, you know, adding Derek favors has been obviously impactful. And so that will help us out. Um, but I, I don't, um, you know, I, 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 we're not going to be the defensive juggernaut. We're not going to be the defensive juggernaut that we were a few years ago. Um, and, and le- I mean, unless we're going to win the NBA title, and then that's a totally different um, uh, that's a totally different circumstance. But you know, we're just not a, as defense. We were like a team that was built completely for defense. Now we're built a little bit of a both, right? Like Dante Exum was a with us at least was a pretty awful offensive player and a pretty fabulous defensive player. Jay Crowder is a overrated offensive player and a pretty good defensive player. Um, Derek Favors as a starting power forward is not a very good offensive player. He's a really good defensive player. 
Um, and what was our? We made another change in there somewhere. So, oh, and Ricky Rubio's not a very good offensive player. He's a good defensive player. So we made four like quantum pivot changes. It worked. We became the number one offensive team in the league for a period of time. But I don't know that you can turn around and say, well, we got Derek Favors, so we just automatically became a top five defense at all times, because those other four switches to Boyan, to Jordan, to. Um, uh, Mike Conley and to whatever the fourth one I have is, is those are offensive changes, and we're still an offensive-minded team now. David Locke with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, David, the, you know, you've been uh, in sports and covering sports for a long, long time, and there are certain uh, cliches that you hear over and over and over again, like uh, it's recruiting day today or signing day today in college football. Oh, and every- it is? Yeah. Every- God, everyone they wanted. Yes, and oh exactly. my gosh, that's incredible. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for absolutely every single coach in the entire country who somehow during this pandemic got every single player they could ever imagine. Yep. That is incredible. So you, you get my drift. And one you always hear in the NBA is, oh, we're going to pick up the pace. I remember before Ty Corbin's right. last year with the Jazz, Ty, when they were the slowest team in the whole league, Ty was like, we're going to really pick up the pace this year. And it's like, okay. Uh, but it appears as if that is something the Jazz are, are wanting to deliver on. Uh, the pace has been significantly faster in these so first two games. So they want to. It's really hard. So, all right, so let's address this. Let's start with the first thing, okay? There have been third, there are 30 teams in the NBA that have played games. The 15th ranked pace of play team in the preseason right now is a 104.5. And we're at a 102.5. So we're 21st in the league in preseason pace. Okay, let's just get that for a second. Last year, the league average pace in the preseason was a 107. So actually, even a little faster. We were 20th in the preseason. So 107, right? That was the number I just gave you. The number in the regular season was a 101. So preseason basketball last year was 6%, maybe even 8% faster than regular season basketball. It's great to say you want to play faster, but when you really have to defend and you're going to get back on defense and you've played a bunch of games and it, it, it's tiring, and you just don't run, and it's hard to run, and very few teams actually do run um, at that level. Like, New Orleans last year really did play with pace. Minnesota played with pace. They were both terrible defensively. Washington played with great pace, particularly because they let you score so fast that it picked up the pace. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think it's a little misleading, and what is interesting and why I don't even like pace numbers about us is that in the last few years, we've allowed the fewest passes of anyone in the league. People just rush up the floor against us with the effort of trying to get rid of the ball or shoot as fast as they can because they don't want Rudy to be set up in the middle, right? So the better way I think to look at this is, uh, and there's a site that does this, it's called Inpredictable, I-N and then Predictable, um, and they look at the seconds of your possession. So last year we ranked 26th in the league in possession time, 14.8 seconds, okay? After a rebound, after a made shot, we were actually the 10th, we were the 23rd ranked team. After a defensive rebound, we were the 22nd-ranked team. But after a turnover, we were the 11th. So we were, pretty, so we were actually relatively quick after a turnover. 
not really 0.2 seconds different than league average. But to me, the number that we would like to improve maybe is after a defensive rebound, is there a way for us to be a little faster in pace of play than we are? But we weren't. The league average is 11.2 seconds and we were 11.7. So, like, this, it's pretty minimal. You know, maybe may, maybe much to do about nothing, quite frankly. David, I've heard you say it a thousand times during games and at other times that the two uh, areas where teams most are most preferred to take shots from, the three-point and the uh, around the basket. What number should do you think is ideal for the Jazz as far as numbers of three-point attempts per game? So I did a study two years ago. Um, took a long, long time. I have not revisited this. Um, so this is two years old data, but I basically built what I thought was the optimum um, shot chart. And the optimum shot chart, in my mind, is 40% of your shots at the rim, 40% of your shots is threes. Now is that the league average on these two things are 31% at the rim and 39% is threes. So I actually might change my – this was two years ago. It's The league has changed a little bit. Actually, let me check and make sure that the numbers I just gave you are right because actually I just pulled up preseason numbers. Give me one second. Give me one second. Okay. I wasn't totally prepared for that. So 40-40-20 is my, my belief on this. The league last year was 35-36-29. Okay? So that's the league average. I knew those numbers sounded wrong. So the number one team in the league at shots at the rim last year was 40%. It's becoming harder and harder to get to the rim. The number one team in the league for threes were 46% by Houston and 42% by Dallas. Slightly adjusting to the way the league is going, while I still do believe in 40-40-20, I'm basically, it's almost impossible. So I might go 43-37. So you're one of the top two or three teams in the league in three attempts, and you're one of the, you know, 37 would put you at about eighth and ninth in the league in shots at the rim. So, but 40-40-20 is you know, optimum. I mean, you want more shots at the rim. So it's, it, you know, rim shots are more valuable. So 40, 40, 20 is really valuable. Here's the trend. Can I give you, cause I think this uh-huh. is interesting. Can, can I give you the trend? So 2015, 16, it was 36, 26. So rim 36, three is 26. Uh-huh. That was 15, 16. Let's jump two years to 17, 18. Okay, so we go from 36-26 to 35-31. The rim starts to go down, the threes go up, the mid-range shots go down. But most of the mid-range shots turn into are, are become threes, not rim shots. Last year was 35-36. So what you're seeing in this progression is the increase in threes, a decrease in mid-range shots, but the rim is staying just about the same. 
right? It was 36% in 1516, and now it's at 35%. So, David, what's the differential and what's the, uh, I guess, the, the spectrum as far as how much those percentages should slide based on how your team is built? Um, they shouldn't. You can't abandon the rim. The problem is that defenses dictate the rim. Offenses dictate threes. Does that make sense? So if you have gifted three-point shooters on your team, more gifted than maybe other teams, that, that really shouldn't matter that much. Well, no, I mean, so if you're, if you're as an offensive team in the league, if you want to take threes, you can get them. If you're committed to taking threes, you can get threes. The defense, they might be contested, they might be deep, but the defense really can't take those away. Hmm. Okay? Right? So, I mean, if we look, the league average, what was the league average? was 36% of shots were threes last year. You know, the best defense in the league last year allowed 32%. Not, not a huge, huge difference. The best rim defense in the league was 29% of shots, Milwaukee, Milwaukee and Brooklyn really committed last year to not allowing shots at the rim. Now you've got me and I mean, I'm pretty being pretty geeky here. So I, I hope I don't bore everyone to death. Here's what's fascinating. 10 best teams in the league last year, defending the rim. So in a, when I say best, just denying shots at the rim. And if you actually want my belief on defense, I think the mo- single most important defensive stat is where your defensive effective field goal percentage location-based, the average of where teams shoot from. Because over the course of a year, that will lead you to have the best defense. Jazz were number one in the league last year because they have Rudy. So the top 10 teams in the league last year that denied the rim, this is what they ranked in denying threes. Ready? Last, second to last, third to last, Fifth to last, sixth to last, seventh to last, oh, tenth to last. Eight of the top ten teams in defending the rim last year were twentieth or worse in denying threes. There's only one team in the NBA last year that was in the top five denying the rim and top five denying threes. The Rudy Gobert's. <laughs> Well, David, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, by the way, was 10th in both. So I think New Orleans could have a huge defensive uptick because that's Stephen Adams. But the way the league is right now is that defenses have decided they're not allowing you to shoot at the rim. Milwaukee was 6% below league average. Brooklyn and Orlando were 5%, 4 or 5% below league average. And to do that, you have to concede three-point shots. You want one other note? Sure. I'm not sure I can totally back this up numerically, but I feel pretty strongly about this. I feel the league has analytics fatigue. And there's like a push to decide that analytics, it's gone too far or there's too many. And it to me means there's even more value than ever before. To do the to to shoot the three, 
to take 45% of your shots as threes, to be over the top analytically, because I feel like the rest of the league's back down a little bit from it. Well, David, thank you very much as always. Look forward to uh, tomorrow night's game and your call. Thank you. I look forward to it too. A late night for us in the yep. arena. Yep. Uh, I, I, I'm wearing tomorrow. I'm going to wear like long johns <laughs> and a ski hat. Like I think there's a chance that it could be freezing in the arena tomorrow. Well, it's freezing in With the no studio right there. now, if that makes uh, any difference to you. <laughs> well, then that's right. So like I'm coming in my new like ski hats and ja- down jackets, and I'm calling the game like I'm outside in the winter. Be prepared. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Stanford got every player they wanted today. That is so great. We're going to be awesome. Didn't miss on one guy. Not one. I've watched us this year. We've missed on a hell of a lot of guys recently. (laughs) Thank you, David. See ya. Radio uh, voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke, with us here on the big show. All right. We'll have more. You mean mean to say it's cold in the studio, Jake? Uh, Yes, it is cold. It is quite cold. Looking over uh, Lloyd on the other side of the glass, he's he's confirming that. I feel good. Well, you're on a different uh, thermostat thing. It's <laughs> that it's, works. It's Lloyd and me who are up a creek, <laughs> hanging hams, uh, frozen creek. I've I've got my hands inside my sweatshirt currently, uh, uh, trying not to have my teeth chatter. But you know what? I'm not going to complain. All right. Anymore. Anymore. After starting now. All right. Stay tuned. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for Sounds of Various Clips, also known as Drop of the Day. Gordon, this is one that uh, we, we uh, it surfaced a couple of weeks ago, and we put it in the queue for Drop of the Day. And uh, we're going to get to it today because this is, this is okay. pretty funny. Uh, Marshawn Lynch and Peyton Manning appeared on a podcast together. And uh, they talked about uh, pregame rituals, and it, it got pretty funny. You believe in superstitions? I, I always like to read the program front to back, for whatever reason, before the game. You know, by the end of the season, you know where every accountant for the Colts went to college. What right. were yours? Right. What, what was your uh, My superstition was that I needed to have maybe a shot, a shot and a half before every game. Of? Hennessy. What you mean? Uh, I was thinking, yeah, yeah. Gatorade, or Gatorade, Toradol. I don't know what Tordal. I was thinking. Hell no. <laughs> and, and, and there's a bar right there in the locker room in Seattle. Schneider and oh, Pete Carroll. Backpack. Got it. The backpack. <laughs> That's awesome. You know what? Marshawn Lynch is funny. If you've, I know he had kind of an awkward uh, relationship with the media, and he had some yeah. anxiety issues, right? It wasn't that uh, the source of some of that. But I mean, like his Skittles stuff is really funny. He had a TV show that was really funny for a minute. Uh, didn't he light? Uh, 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 didn't he light a, a marijuana joint off the 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 in the Oakland Raiders? Didn't the, they had the like? Torch going or something like that for the last game. <laughs> Don't you what? remember what no. I'm talking about? Oh, okay. Well, no. 
Maybe I. That sounds like it's from a Farley Brothers I know. movie. <laughs> sure, that isn't Ricky Williams you're talking about. Uh, but uh, Marshawn, uh, that is funny. Uh, a shot uh, before the game, maybe a Hennessey. shot and a half, and he's like, "Of what? What do you mean, of what? Hennessy? Yeah, Gatorade, Gatorade, Tordal, I, I know you guys really. I don't know how you feel about Peyton Manning. I know Jake, you didn't like him as a player, right? Uh, no. But but he is he is really good on camera and on a mic. That that guy's got. If he wants to be involved in production of things or media, or whatever, he's got a future there, man. He really does. I I think he's he's good. Uh, okay, wait a minute. Here's here's this thing real quick here. Uh, let's see. During This is what came up in Google. During the Raiders' final home game on December 24th, Lynch was given the honor of lighting the Al Davis Memorial Torch before kickoff, which wouldn't be news except after he lit the torch, he decided to light something else, a blunt. Oh, yes. and his, his actions were caught on camera. So I wasn't completely <laughs> inventing that. Using that the torch? Oh. Using the torch. Because yeah, that wasn't clear. He used the Al Davis Memorial Torch yes. to torch up. Yes. How did wow. we miss that, Austin? I, I, I don't remember that at all. I don't read Weed Monthly. but I <laughs> No, this was big news. What are you talking about? I can't believe I'm the only one who, uh, that remembers this whole thing. Hennessy. Oh, Hennessy. Come on. Is there a bar there in Seattle? <laughs> no, it's in my backpack. I like it that he was so specific, too. He's like, a shot, maybe a shot and a half. Not two. Hey, hey. <laughs> Let's not get crazy. Hey, not two. I got a game to play. Uh, but a shot to a shot and a half. A Wasn't... shot and a half before every game of Hennessy. I love that. Come on. What else would it be? Wasn't it, uh, who was it, uh, Maurice Claret? They used to get legit drunk before he'd play. And he called it uh, He called it getting goosed. I didn't know he, that. Because yeah. he drank Grey Goose in his locker before he went out there and practiced or played. How did he think that was going to help his performance? Wasn't he a Heisman finalist? Yeah, he was pretty good in college. I, I don't know, Gordon. I'm not sure. Maybe it. Maybe. I mean, it, as we as we've mentioned before on this show, Doc Ellis pitched a no. He says he pitched a no hitter on LSD. So I'm. And you do uh, the not sports report every day on something on I likely I LSD. Would, we want to make it clear to our listeners, especially young people out there, it's not the way to go. LSD or drugs in general. Or drinking for the young people. Or the not sports report. Or the not sports report. Yeah, there's a lot of no's here. A lot of don'ts. You know, my my not, sports, my not sports report staff is really getting angry with you guys. I've I've, oh, I've talked with them. We have about three or four or five different guys on the staff, and they've had it up to here with your disrespect. Well, you know their, what? Their... Your staff needs revamping. And some diversity. <laughs> yeah. You need a new what? staff. If you've got a staff what do you mean diversity, up, there, there's nothing more diverse than the not sports report. We cover it all. Badly. <laughs> I was referring to a staff of all men, as you referenced. But you said four or five guys on the staff. It's not an equal opportunity yeah. employer there. Mm, good all point, right, I'll, make, I'll make sure and add some women to the list. As you, long have, as, you have a few there that you could run things by and say, "Should I do this on the air?" Yeah, as long as it's <laughs> as long as it's different, as long as it's not the staff you have now. I don't care who you are. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, you know, 
I can't believe you, you guys no, don't remember this. You Marshall get no Lynch glory thing. in your homeland here, you know. You don't remember that bar here. I've got a picture of it. Look at this. Hilarious. Look at him reaching up. <laughs> wow. Reaching up. <laughs> that that's a to- that's the Mem- Al Davis Memorial Torch, burning for the 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 memoriam of Al Davis's life and legacy. And Marshawn just reaches up and uh, reaches up and uh, it sounds like a, something out of a Cheech and Chong movie or it's something. So funny. It does. It's, that is is that disrespectful? No, not when you're Marshawn Lynch. It's hilarious. Kind of a little bit. Yeah. No, come on. I guess that's up to Al. Davis Al, if it's Al, disrespectful or not? Al doesn't care. He's like, pass that over. Yeah. I'll, uh, I was I would have been fine with it. It's Just the smoke, Raiders. Baby. It's the Raiders. That's the most appropriate thing in the history of sports. <laughs> if it were another this team. flame represents Al Davis's life. See, Al didn't give a what. Just win, baby. He didn't care. Just win. Just win, baby. It burns with the eternal love he had for the Raiders. <laughs> Stay tuned. Puff, puff, pass. More big show next. 97.5 and 1280 the zone. <laughs> Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Happy signing day to everybody out there. Talked about it a bunch today. Uh, We've had some great content. If you want to get online, 1280thezone.com and listen to it. We had uh, Brian Brown and uh, Jake Hatch on who do the Locked On Utes and Cougars podcast. They broke it down for us. Christian Cox, I thought, uh, brought a really uh, interesting perspective to the table, of course. uh, Yeah. Christian, uh, after bouncing around, ended up being a walk-on at Utah, and then no big deal uh, made the NFL. So we've uh, we've had a uh, a lot of good content on on signing day, Gordon. Uh, but the frustrating thing about signing day is you just never know. I mean, you you have no idea until years later, many years later, in the case of uh, a lot of BYU players. But uh, yeah. one thing we do know is every coach got everybody they wanted. And then uh, by that time, everyone's sort of forgotten what was said about the guys, you know. Right. By the Does way, anybody track that stuff? Does anybody go back and and check the guys with the who are assigning the stars? See, I'm sure there are people that do, but not enough. Like, I I wish that people would go back and hold Mel Kiper accountable for his ridiculousness, <laughs> because he misses wildly every year. But yet, we still go back every single year and hmm. What's going on in Mel Kiper's big board? Who was the well, NBA I, I, draft guy that went back and doctored his? Chad Ford. Okay. Chad Ford went back and and uh, adjusted some things after not being accurate. To look a little better. To yeah. look a little better. Mm. Chad Ford, the BYU Hawaii professor. Uh, the same. The same yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I've seen uh, them tracking. Uh, you know, the mock draft guys to see if they're right about the positioning and who's going where, but I haven't. I haven't uh, seen a whole lot on on checking back to see whether uh, you know whether the guys were what they were hyped up to be before they they enter college. Well, the interesting one that I've uh, I know a few people have uh, done some looking into, including PK. PK had some numbers on this: uh, the amount of elite eleven quarterbacks that transfer or don't pan out a lot uh, at all, and that's oh. surprisingly high. It's like over 50% of Elite 11 quarterbacks end up transferring. Really? Oh, I did not know that. I mean, that's why this whole thing is such an inexact – I mean, it's just an inexact science. But but think about, you know, how much you grow and develop physically and mentally from ages, you know, 17 to 24. Uh-huh. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And how do you how do you predict that? 
You know what I mean? Like I, I heard Kalani today talking about Kairos Tonga when he was talking about recruiting classes. He said when he recruited Kairos to BYU, Kairos was 230 pounds. <laughs> so you have yeah. to, honestly, you have to, and I think both, uh, you know, Utah and BYU are good at this. I do, you know, we know Utah and Kyle Whittingham is good at it, and I'm sure Coach uh, Satake uh, learned from uh, Witt as well, but you've got to project where they're going to be, and that's got to be really difficult sometimes. That's why I like the designation on some of the players you see as athletes because they're capable of playing multiple positions and you don't know where they're going to end up. Right, right. And, and you know, you look at uh, sometimes they even get it right, get it wrong, and get it right again. I mean, look at Brian Blecken's career at Utah where they're like, hey, Brian, put on 20 pounds. Just kidding. Lose it all. <laughs> now we want you to put on 18 and a half pounds. No, 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 no. We need you to go back down 10 again. Oh, man. Who was it? Which youth player was it that said he would during the uh, offseason he was uh, consuming like – 15,000 calories a day or something? I think you're thinking of Jordan Wynn after his freshman year. Because I remember it, that, that was the... No, it, oh, but it was a different quarter. It was Tyler Huntley. Oh, well, Jordan Wynn had a similar thing. Because there was, yeah. before his sophomore year, that was, you know how the big, uh, you know, talking points that circle and or circulate and everybody says the same thing. One year it was, Jordan Wynn put on 25 pounds. But does weight really protect you from injury? Oh sure, I think there's something to that. I mean, not weight. I mean, you, if you went out and uh, and uh, went on the old Krispy Kreme diet, and uh, I think it'd be a little different than you know putting on. Wait, well, there's a Tyler Krispy was, Kreme diet. T- Tyler was having like uh, five milkshakes before noon, something like that. Well, I, I would guess they're like nutritional milkshakes. I don't think he's going to Iceberg. <laughs> Hitting the Arby's six times before lunch. <laughs> Give me, I need another Jamocha shake. Let's get on down to Arby's. He said he got yeah, the extra whipped cream this time. It was like, please, no more. Make them stop. But I think there is something to good weight and durability. I, I could see the, I mean, think about it. I, uh, small little Jordan Wynn as a freshman. Weren't you remember watching him and you were just worried he was going to get broken in half? Well, I mean, that's when he played his best. Well, that's not really my point. I didn't say he sucked. I just said, weren't you concerned about his well-being? It's kind of how I felt about Zach Wilson day one. Yeah, it was sure. And he's never lost that boyish look, but he's really bulked up a bit. Yeah, he still has that baby face. All right. I don't know. I just wondered about that because I can see how muscle could protect maybe, but I, I, I don't know whether it really does make somebody less likely to be injured. Okay, so let me let me put this hypothetical uh, uh, at you. All right, uh, you put a guy who's uh, six foot and one hundred and forty pounds, have him stand there in the middle of the field. (laughs) Then take a guy who's six foot and two hundred and fifteen pounds, and then get uh, uh, um, let's see who's who's big and tough these days. Austin, give me a big tough player. Me. (laughs) Uh, You are Kyrus Tonga. Uh, okay, Kairos Tonga, and give Kairos a 15-yard uh, head start and have him run <laughs> and and just hit the guy as hard as he can. Who would you bet on surviving? Yeah, but that doesn't mean, that if that's the case, then is it just the little guys who get hurt? Big guys get hurt just as often, don't Britain they? Britton Covey, line three. No, here's the Britton Covey. I'm glad you brought that up. Great example. Because the way he was punished against Washington was a thing. I mean, they, they tried to end his life, and uh, the, that's the reason, because he's smaller and, uh, and has less, you know, mass 
which makes him more susceptible to not playing because he's hurt. Which it did. I mean, that game broke Britton Covey for a really long time. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm not and I'm saying that sincerely. I mean that that one particular game had a dramatic effect on that guy's career. I it's that's that's why it's so good to see him play well now. Oh, here, here. Yeah. I agree. But that's why they have to use him differently than they did in that that season the way they were using Britton Covey was reckless. Well, how he had how many receptions did he have the other day? Nine. Nine? But it wasn't, it, it, they weren't targeting him in the same way. It wasn't the same type of. It wasn't of, across the middle with uh, yeah. double coverage and, <laughs> and get straight a, into him the face of a linebacker. I got to thread it in there to him and then ask him to dance for the next 15 seconds so <laughs> as to not uh, get killed. I mean, yeah. it was it was a little bit different. They were using him as the only weapon on the offense. Like a human shield. Yeah. And, and Washington just said, okay, so every time he touches it, we're going to hit him as hard as we possibly can because they've got nobody else. And they did, and it worked in that game. That was, a, that was a close, really good game. But, I mean, I remember when Britain went in for the final time and they threw it to him again, and it was like, oh, man. that Yeah. yeah. And, and it did. It took him a long time to recover from that game. Feel for him. But, yeah, I, I do think size matters and bulk matters. If you want to uh, call up a – uh, uh, a doctor, Gordon, and uh, find out why, then go for well, it. Well, I think you said it right to begin with, Jake, and that is that it depends on the kind of weight you're putting on because if you're just if you're just putting on weight for weight's sake, I'm not sure that is really going to do you a whole lot of good. I enjoy Well, it. we're going to find out. In fact, in fact, it may put more pressure on your joints and your tendons. Yeah, but you're happier. <laughs> well, isn't James Harden going to put this to the test? <laughs> Which, by the way, we haven't even talked about that. He came back with a lot of vodka weight, didn't he? He looked big. <laughs> yeah. Did he have three warm-up suits on by chance? I don't Have you interviewed him in the postgame at all, Austin? No. Because when I've been at the arena, I remember one time I was, I was uh, walking near uh, the Rockets locker room, and he came out. And he, he, he's taller. He's taller than I thought he was, you know. How tall did you think he was? I don't know. He just looked. Uh, he looked. He had a better size than what I. The James way he Harden looks on the court. Yeah. Jimmy Harden. You thought it was shorter, like like six one. No, I, never mind. He just looked bigger. He looked. Uh, he looked bulkier to me than I. I thought he was. Huh. Okay. Well, he, he, well, he looks a lot bigger these days. He does. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a be, lot. They could ask him to set picks. Like he's training to be the new Santa Claus. Oh. <laughs> James Harden set picks? <laughs> How many picks do you think James Harden set last year? I'll put the over-under. On under, uh, The over-under at five. <laughs> under. Take the under? I think I'll ever, do you think he'll ever shave the beard? Uh, no, it's his, uh, it's his brand, man. And now it's hiding his other chin. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. We'll have more big show coming up next, 975. But he's happy. And 1280 the zone. Wrapping up the big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 the zone. Uh, I thought we had a productive show today, Gordon. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of fun stuff to kind of kick around and. Uh, and a fantastic not sports report today. I don't not even. Re- I don't even remember what it was. 
Oh yeah, you're stu- you're oh, well, it wasn't stupid, I guess. I don't want to I don't want to offend anybody, <laughs> especially the lovers of the holidays out there. But well, it was like uh, 35 points on how to enjoy the holiday season or something like that. <laughs> it was 11. I, I and felt- it was all it was everything from brush your teeth, get a good night's rest yeah. to the actual traditions. <laughs> to uh, uh, eat mistletoe. <laughs> just just have a big old mistletoe the- meal. There's also the story about the criminal who escaped in the in the uh Drive that was a movie. And, um, oh, it was true. Gordon recounts the the movie Fugitive, and <laughs> that's true. the the not sports report. Uh, let me not hear uh, a spoiler alert: the one armed man did it. <laughs> Have you ever d- dived off a, uh, an aqueduct, Jake? Let me tell you, it's really something. That you know, in reality, really I don't think he would have uh, survived that. No, I don't think so. No, no. Unless the water was really deep. How did they film it? Did they they throw a, a dummy off there, or was <laughs> some it poor the, intern? Yes, yeah, some <laughs> some poor. Boom. Hey, kid, you want to be famous? The boom mic operator. Hey, <laughs> hey, Charlie, I've got bad news for you. We drew straws, <laughs> and you got the short one. Who was who was better in that uh, in that show? Was uh, uh, was it Tommy Lee Jones or was it uh, Harrison Ford? Well, one of them won an Oscar and one did not. So, who got the Oscar? I don't even know. You don't really? Uh-oh. I don't think Harrison Ford's ever won an Oscar. So oh, I, was, I don't know. Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones is really, really good in almost everything. I think the guy that played uh, the janitor, Bones, he was my favorite. Okay. All right. <laughs> Wait, was he the janitor or was he? I thought he was another doctor. No, he was the janitor. He was cleaning the blinds, oh, remember? Okay. And, yeah. Wait, there was a doctor named Bones? No, 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 no. The doctor, the bad doctor's name was Charles. I see. Charles what? Krauthammer. No, but it was something like that. <laughs> Rest his soul. <laughs> it's the first Charles that Jeez. came to my mind. What are you going to do next? Marshawn Lynch on his eternal flame? <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> we will... Uh, We'll talk to you tomorrow on the big show. show. Charles Nichols halt at the end here. It does. Hey, we're at Built Bar tomorrow, Gordon. That's gonna be really fun. Have you uh, have you had a chance to crack into those Built Bars they sent you? I have, and uh, other members of my family have as well. Yeah, I've those tried, were like, for you. You better have tried them before they got. Oh, out. I've tr- I've tried. I've tried. I tried. There's, there's still a couple in there, but uh, I I've eaten five of them myself. They're so. terrific. Did you eat them all yourself? Me? I haven't received yeah. any yet. Oh. That's because okay. I'm going to be there tomorrow, so they're going okay. to let me sample. Well, that. get there early and uh, eat eat, uh, eat yourself uh, as many as you can. All right. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.